Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 325. Before getting into this episode, don't think for a second that I take it for granted that I get to record another new episode here at the back of the range. 325 is a big number, maybe not a huge milestone number in the traditional sense, but I just spent some time with some guys this past weekend that were my guests on episode 41 and 60, respectively. And that means that I've known guys like Matt Parziali and Geronimo Steve for, well, quite a few years now. So I'm very fortunate to be able to continue to do all that I do here at the back of the range and just wanted to thank everyone for the continued support. I just got back from the Dominican Republic site of the third edition of the Devil's Elbow Invitational hosted at the Corrales Golf Course. That's part of the Punta Cana Resort. Joe Duraney was the winner, bolstered by an exceptional 68 during the second round. He shot even par on the final day to hang on despite some pretty challenging windy conditions. This was my first time at the Devil's Elbow, but certainly will not be my last. It is currently the only Mid-Am tournament in the world, that isn't the U.S. Mid-Am, that awards a PGA Tour start to its winner. So Joe Duraney's wife and kids will be able to head down to the Dominican Republic next year and watch him play in a PGA Tour event. The Devil's Elbow is only three years old, but it's going to continue to grow in popularity. The resort and the player experience is fantastic. It's a chill vibe with lots of wives and girlfriends tagging along for the ride to take advantage of the warm weather in November. The other thing that has me so excited for the future of this tournament is the fact that it has the full support of the Punta Cana Resort. Their director of ops, Hiram Silva, along with co-founders Geronimo Steve and Eric Morales, they're all in. They want to grow the tournament, attract the best mid-ams in the world, and that's exactly what's going to happen. So if you're a mid-am, and you want to test your game against the best and have a shot at picking up a PGA Tour start and, you know, catch some island vibes along the way, yeah, this tournament needs to be on your schedule in 2024. Before I took off for the Dominican Republic, I was able to grab some time with the East Lake Cup individual winner on the women's side, Sadie Engelman from Stanford University. While Rose Zhang and Rachel Heck are probably the most notable names of the program over the last several years, Sadie has been quietly stacking up quite the impressive resume. All Pac-12 in 2023, two-time second-team All-American. She's also getting it done in the classroom, being named All-American Scholar multiple times. You need a strong team from top to bottom if you want to hoist that national championship trophy at the end of the year, like the Stanford women did in 2022. Stanford will be looking to do that again next spring, and Sadie will be a vital part of that journey for the Cardinal. During this episode, we spoke about the win at Eastlake Cup, how she balances school and golf, and we even found some time to have some fun at one of her teammates' expense, which is, uh, which is always great. No housekeeping items to tend to this week. You all should know how to follow the back of the range. The merch store is still available. Plenty of items in there for you to choose from. So just head over to thebackoftherange.com. 
Let's get started. Sadie, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Ben. I'm doing good. Well, that's great. We are both kind of returning from uh, your final event of the uh, of the fall, the East Lake Cup, where you picked up the individual win. Let's jump into some really hard hitting stuff here. What <laughs> what does an elite college golfer do during the winter break? You know, you had a busy spring, busy summer, kind of. You know, not not to say that you were on fumes, but I think everyone in college golf is a little bit on fumes in the fall once it starts getting into October. What does Sadie Engelman do this uh, fall, this winter, kind of closing out the year? Yeah, so it's a little different than I was in high school. I think when I was in high school, it was like there wasn't a ton of opportunities to play during the fall. So winter break was a time to kind of cram in all the tournaments um, and play as much amateur and junior golf as possible. Um, but now I think it looks a little bit different. Like you said, the fall is quite treacherous for college golfers with school and tournaments kind of lined up back to back. Um, so I think this year I, I look forward to going home, spending a lot of time with my parents, um, going to see some, um, other family, some extended family, um, celebrating the holidays. I think that's one of my favorite things to do to kind of relax, take my mind off of golf and, and stressful things like school. Um, and then I, I will end up playing the Patriot All-American um, over winter break. It's a tournament that I hold very dear to my heart just because of the everything that goes into it with the plan for a soldier, fallen soldier and all the offense and seeing the friends that you don't get to see necessarily during the year. So I think I'm going to play this tournament and, of course, focus as hard as I can to prepare and stuff. But I think this is a tournament that I really get to enjoy. And, you know, it's my last year so really enjoying every every better golf that I possibly can so it's your last year you're quitting golf you're you're is it, <laughs> you're, what yeah forever oh. no <laughs> my last my last year in college sure sure I, yeah the Patriot um yeah that is a tournament that I really I've been saying it I gotta find a way to get out there it's just it's right on top of the holidays and that's you know after me being at, I don't even know, 30 tournaments a year, that's the time where I'm just like, I need a break. But yeah, oh, I, I, totally. want, I want to go to that tournament because they do so many great events and it's really great to, I just love how they run it. It just seems like it's just such a well-run event. And, um, but yeah, I think it's right. I mean, it, it goes right up against New Year's Eve, if I remember correctly, out in Arizona. It does, yes. It's, it's a really fun tournament. Just the vibes are really cool. There's loud music playing on a bunch of different key boxes and if you're lucky, you get to spend New Year's Eve with some of your closest friends from junior golf. And yeah, it's just a, it's a really cool week. It sounds a little bit like the old Rolex Tournament of Champions down by me at Palm Beach Gardens, but everyone's just a little very bit more, similar. <laughs> but everyone's just a little bit more grown up. Yes, that's that's very, very accurate statement. Okay. All right. What do, what do you do for what? So you're mentioning going home. You're, you're an Austin, Texas native. So we'll talk a little bit about that. What are what are the guilty pleasures that you have that are non-golf related that you're just like, I need to unplug my brain and my body from golf and I don't want to look at a textbook. I don't want to look at anything. Do they still do textbooks? Wow, I think I just dated myself. <laughs> um, I, I don't. Uh, so what do you what's the guilty pleasure when you just want to turn everything off? I really like to go shopping with my mom. Me okay. and my parents are super close and I, I get to spend a ton of time with my dad through golf, but my mom's a doctor and she works a lot. So when I go home, I think being able to go shopping, whether it's Christmas shopping or just clothes shopping with her and spending time with her, it's a great way to unplug and kind of not think about golf because she's not someone who's going to ask me about golf at all. Um, yeah, that's so nice. Knows, that's nice, isn't to it? To keep it separate. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's great. 
Um, so I think that's kind of one thing. Um, it's hard. I, like, I'm very passionate about golf and I love it. So it's hard to like give you things that don't include golf because I am excited about things that do include golf when I go home. But it's important that I do have those things to unplug as well. I think it's good to have a parent that no matter what you shoot is always like, did you have fun? Oh, you mm-hmm. tried hard. And let's, where do you want to go to dinner? Just could not, doesn't even know the right questions to really ask. So just as like, well, you know, you did your best and, and that's it. I think it's good to have a parent that's like that. A hundred percent. And both of my parents are very, very supportive in everything I do. And I've, they've always been there for me, but yeah, my mom is definitely, she's not out there at practice and stuff. And uh-huh. it's not like she's giving me swing tips or anything. So exactly. It's more of a, did you have fun? Like tell me about your best moment of the day, that kind of thing, uh, which is really nice. So ha- uh, talk about having fun, picked up the win at Eastlake. Uh, yes, it is an 18 hole stroke play portion, but you know, when they hand someone a trophy at the end, I pretty much consider that a win. I know that's crazy <laughs> talk, but I just think, you know, it's, it's, yeah, they gave you a trophy, got your picture taken, you're on Golf Channel. Uh, that That's a pretty big win in my book, especially with that field. But, you know, it's it's 18 holes, and it's different than a 54-hole or a 72-hole win. That's that's just math. Um, do you think that maybe this win changes any sort of approach? Or did, what did you really learn about that through your performance that maybe will, you know, kind of pay dividends as you enter uh, next spring? Yeah, I think, obviously, 18 holes um, – Kind of like a, a qualifier, actually. Yeah, almost. It is kind of like a qualifier, and um, I, I mean, it's it was I guess less pressure going in, knowing that it's kind of a you either perform good or you don't. It's like either way, it's not that big, huge of a deal. Um, I think so. That kind of mindset going in um, helped me. But I, I will say, the last couple holes, uh, knowing where I stood, I, I still had the nerves, um, and I felt like I was trying to close out a tournament, whether or not it was one day or three days or four days. Um, so I definitely think that's going to help me in the future. I mean, I've been in contention a bit more in the past year and it's extremely hard to close something out. Um, yeah. So I think getting that experience, even if it was just that one 18 holes, those last three holes um, and playing under that pressure, um, I think is really important if I do put myself there in the spring. Gr- Green's rolling 12 or 13 on the stimp are just a lot of fun when you're trying to get it in the house, isn't it? <laughs> super fun oh yeah and evergreen surrounded by water yeah <laughs> sure yeah those little three footers and just you know mm-hmm. you're growing up in texas and uh i mean i guess the greens are similar to what you might have seen mm-hmm. in texas but you know i grew up in florida and i i got to play in the amm uh in the afternoon and i just was like all right these are way too fast for what i'm used to like <laughs> I, how does anyone do this so i i yeah i'm i'm more the 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 10 on the stamp actually put a little put a little hit into it. So, so yeah, I was like, I don't, good luck. I'll, I'll go get my camera. You guys have fun. Um, now well, let's, let's get the tough stuff out of the way so we can start having a little more fun in this episode. You, you uh, lost to Wake Forest in the final. I know that, I mean, gosh, that looks like it's, you know, if, if I was a betting man, that's got to be the preview to the national championship match in the spring, probably what everyone that follows college golf would want. Um, obviously you want to pick up the win. Didn't happen. Uh, coach Ann Walker, what was her message to the team? Uh, you know, after, after that match, you know, it's coach is a very, very positive person and she's never going to, you know, be upset about the way we played. Um, and so I think after the match, it was just kind of like, wow, that was a really great learning experience because like you said, like at the end of the year, there is a possibility and a hopeful possibility that we do play them in the finals and kind of getting to see how they play and how they 
they act and all kinds of sorts of things and how they play match play, I think is, is only a, a learning experience that's going to help us move forward and, you know, win or lose. It was a, it was a really fun match. And, and I think getting, bringing it down to the last match, Mega's match, I think it shows that we aren't too far away. And um, I think that's a really positive thing coming out. So glad you mentioned Mega Gane. She was just <laughs> recently on the podcast, and actually, that uh, I, I got to play. I don't know. If, I mean, this is a. I guess it's a good thing. I I, I spent several hours playing golf with Mega Gane, and yeah, had a you know a lot of great conversations, a lot of fun stuff. Talked about Stanford. Talked about you know just her thoughts on amateur golf and college golf, and talked about other stuff non related to golf and. Had a good time. Hits uh, hit some good shots. I hit some bad shots, and um, you know had had a lot of fun. And you know, I told you before we started the episode, we would try and figure out a way to poke a little fun at Megagane, and I, I got it. I got I got it. I got it perfect. Um, I'm oh good. I'm on. Oh yeah. This is it. Almost writes itself. But this actually happened. So the next day at stroke play, I'm I'm around the first green. And I'm waiting for groups to come through. And it's uh, Carol Chikara from Wake and Amari Avery from USC. And it's Mega. And they're walking down. And Zoe Slaughter from Texas A&M. So really, really nice foursome. Um, so they're walking down the fairway towards me, towards the green. They're kind of laughing and kind of joking. And I think all four of them are on the green. So I, I don't know what's really, you know, they're probably just talking about something. And then quickly they made some comment where um, or Mega said, you know, I, I don't... Uh, I don't have my nine iron. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I, w- I would play with 14 clubs. It's a pretty strong field. You might want to <laughs> might want to bring your A game and all your equipment. And, um, you know, it just kind of dawned on me, you know, we were riding in the same cart the day before. So I just threw it out there. I'm like, hey, um, uh, you know, do you think it's in my bag maybe? Could that have happened? And, oh, no, 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 no. It's on the range, on the range. Okay. And then, you know, I follow them and they hit their tee shots on two and I'm in the fairway on two and I'm, and you know, she's got a hybrid in her hand and she's taking some, not taking some time. She's waiting in the group in front and it's just kind of gnawing at me. I'm like, you know, let me just go to my car. Cause you know, they're going to be a while before they finish this hole. And, and, uh, let me just go do this just, just for my peace of mind. Really didn't care about her at that point. I was like, let me just get this off of my conscience and sure enough, drive the golf cart back out to the parking lot. And uh, yeah, there was one club that was not clearly, clearly not built for me. And sure enough, there's the nine iron. So I get that in my car, drive it all the way out. I actually get on to four and your assistant coach, go to Coach Riley. And actually, Coach Walker had seen me and she's like, I need to talk to you. I'm like, no, you don't. I have the nine iron. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so Get up there with Coach Riley before um, you know before Mega gets up there. We're having fun and we're kind of figuring out what to do. And and, and you know, <laughs> we, I took pity on her. I just said, "Here, I think I think this is a, this hole's a nine iron. You should you should hit nine iron." So, um, yeah, I think she we she was kind of embarrassed. So that's the story of what happened to her nine iron. Um, can you even compare and and try and you know one up me on an embarrassing story about Mega Gane? Oh my goodness, that is funny. I actually did not hear that after uh, East oh, Lake yeah. Cup, so maybe she was. She well, maybe she was a little embarrassed. I think um, she was a little embarrassed. <laughs> um, I do have a pretty funny story about Mega that we might have caused a little bit. Um, we we have a amazing strength coach, and she is nothing but just precious and so sweet to us, and would never raise her voice or anything. And and it was Mega's first workouts last year, and 
Meg's a very confident person, as you know, and yes. not much, not much gets under her skin. Um, but we had told her, go, we had told her going in, we were like, yeah, man, we have a really, really like intense strength coach. And like, she doesn't take any crap. And like, she will yell at you at any chance she gets. So you got to just be quiet and do what you're, you're told to do. And so we had told our strength coach, we we're like, Hey, just like, right when Megan gets there, like act really intense and like somehow like get her uncomfortable and like yell at her. And so Mega walks in the first day of workouts. And I mean, our strength coach was already giggling. Like she's like, I can't do this guy. Oh my and gosh. Like, no, no, no. You got to sit. You got to get, you got to do it. So Mega had worn a, a Stanford golf hat to workouts. And so we all kind of circle up right before workouts. And it, our strength coach looks right at Megan. She goes, we don't wear hats in here. And I've never seen took off a hat so fast. Wow. Mega ripped that thing off her head and it was so, we were all dying laughing and we told her, we were like, okay, so we're, we're, we're actually just messing with you. Like our stream coach is amazing, but it, it was one of the funniest things because you don't see, you don't see Mega falter too often, but it was a pretty funny moment. I think you should keep doing that as much as possible. I think, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's good. I think you should, uh, just should stick with that and, and I'll do what I can throughout the rest of the college season to, to, um, to pick on her as much as possible as well. Yeah, so, perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do my best. We uh, let's talk about Austin, Texas. That's your uh, that's your your native of Austin. That's your start in the game. Mm-hmm. Fellow Stanford uh, alum, well, not fellow, but but Stanford guy Henry Shimp. He's living out there. He's trying to get mm-hmm. me out to Austin for a visit. <laughs> your dad, I guess, got you started in the game. But you know, Westlake High School. I feel that in my prep for previous episodes, I have come across some players that have come out of Westlake. I, I think Jacob Sosa, who's at Texas, mm-hmm. went to Westlake, and Sean Carl Dobson, I think he's mm-hmm. a... Okay, so what other names am I forgetting? Can you think of any from Westlake that I'm missing? Yeah, you have Jay Holland Humphreys, who plays for SMU, yeah. and you have um, another kid that plays for SMU. Why am I blanking on his name? <laughs> I know, well, and I'm thinking, let's see, there's some... There's some Vanderbilt guys. There's a lot of Vanderbilt guys that went there in Texas. Oh, yeah. So, um, Reed Davenport went there. That's right. Um, That's right. Yep. Um, Jackson Davenport. Yep. Yep. That guy. Well, that guy's uh, – that guy's. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on with Jackson Davenport. Now, Travis Vick is a Houston guy, so – but – Yes. Matthew Riedel, is he an Austin guy? No, he's Houston as well. He's Houston as well. Um, okay. Kennedy Kennedy Swan, she's she's yep. not at a game now, but she won a national championship at Ole Miss. Um, Zach Kingsland is the one I was thinking of. There you go. Um, another another player went to Westlake. Um, Bentley Cotton from Texas. Yep. yep. I mean, I, the list goes on. I it's know. crazy. So so this school has produced a lot of great talent, and you know, I I kind of feel that you know when you start talking about junior golf, everyone talks about AJGAs and Invitationals mm-hmm. and you know US Junior. And high school golf maybe gets overlooked. Uh, I mean, what was kind of the, the team dynamic there, and and how much did that play into your ability to eventually play Division One and not just Division One, but but go on to Stanford? Yeah, I think people kind of undermine uh, high school golf sometimes because you know it has a reputation of being you know just kind of fun and going out there playing nine yeah. hole matches and whatever. But you know, Texas, Texas golf. High school golf was insanely competitive, and sure. I mean, I grew I grew up playing against Haley Cooper, Caitlin Pat, Chris and Gilman, and I mean that in itself is like an AJGA. So yeah. I I think for me and having a team like I did, um, five girls that went D one for golf, wow. it was just it was it was a perfect preparation for being on a team um, at Stanford. I think not only the competition kind of kept my game fresh throughout the year, but also learning how to be on a team because. 
I mean, if you go through high school and playing an individual sport and then suddenly just get popped on a team in college, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a shell shock. And so I think Westlake really prepared me for Stanford and kind of learning how to be teammates with other females who are, who are competitive and playing just as good golf as you are. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought up the fact that you had, you know, five, well, that's incredible. Five D one, uh, uh, future D one players. You know, when I think of high school golf, there's always that tendency where you got the one like standout and then you mm-hmm. have four that are just not, you know, really just not on the same level. So it's hard to have that team dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's, so that's basically where you learned, not just, I know you have junior golf accolades all over your resume, but so that's kind of where you learned how to win and compete and also deal with losses. It definitely is. I mean, I was fortunate enough to get quite a few wins in high school golf. And I think just like you said, it was a, it was a great preparation and learning how to win and, and, yeah. What's the loss in high school that still eats at you? Um, I think I, the fact that I never won a state championship um, individually, I think my best finish was a runner up. And then I was really confident going into my senior year. And I think I would have made a pretty good run at it, uh, but COVID happened. So never got that chance. Yeah. Those are the, I can't believe, yeah, I know 2023 and COVID for some reason feels yeah. like ages ago. So your dad put a club in your hand for the first time. So we we will, uh, we'll skip past the conversation of cut down clubs and plastic clubs and and breaking (laughs) windows. We, I'm assuming there's gotta be a couple marks on the, uh, Engelman household of a a golf, errant golf ball flying someplace. (laughs) Um, first time beating your dad was. Oh my goodness. I don't probably. Maybe ten years old. I don't know. Oh my I was. He was. I was. I was very serious about the game at a young age, and he was always a, just a recreational golfer. And, okay. And a lot of people were like, "Oh, like, do you get mad when your daughter beats you?" But he was the first one to be like, "No, that makes me prouder than anything." Right. So I think we always had like a really, really cool dynamic. So how did? Okay, so this is interesting. You have a a parent. So you already mentioned your mother. You know, not not the the golf nut that your dad is. Uh, but you're, you're mentioning your dad's recreational. So it's not like, you know, Hey, I, your dad played college golf or your dad played pro, your dad's a PGA professional. So how did he kind of get you into, uh, get you on the right track, so to speak, to get you to where you are today? Cause it's, you know, it's, you know, do you go to lessons and do I go, you know, hold you out of tournaments or put you into tournaments or, you know, how did he kind of navigate that for you? Probably without you even realizing what was happening, but I'm sure there was a lot of thought put into getting you on the right track for a competitive future in golf. He was, he was always a person that, you know, wanted the son to go play football. And you know, when he, when he found don't out he was football, having a girl, Sadie. don't, don't play, Sadie. <laughs> just stick no, with the, stick I with won't, the golf. I won't. Okay. Right. And my, once we, he found out he was having a girl, I don't think he ever had it in the plans <laughs> to make her a, a so, golfer. I'm, I'm um, thinking of Ricky Bobby sure. right now. What, what do I do? What do I, what do, what do I <laughs> exactly. What do I do? Exactly. But he was a, he was an athlete growing up and he played all the sports in high school and he was good at everything. And he didn't have a huge background in golf. Just he worked at a, a place that he would take clients to the golf course and he sure. kind of picked it up and got a membership and, he was a stay-at-home dad when I was born, um, so he would always take me out to the golf course, and whenever he played with his buddies, he would take me out because I had nowhere else to go. And he put—I didn't even put a club in my hand. I kind of just stole it from him and started swinging everywhere. And 
he was like, wow, like that seems unnatural for a three-year-old to be able to swing a golf club like that. Um, and so, yeah, he didn't, I don't think he, I don't know that he reached out to anyone. I don't think he knew really anything about junior golf or college golf or anything like that. Um, but he really put me on the right track. He, he always played me in tournaments where I was playing people older than me. Um, okay. And I, I learned at an early age how to get beat and how to play long courses. And I think that's cru- that was crucial for my success I've had in the game, um, just kind of learning that at a young age and not, not getting the easy wins all the time and getting the medals, but truly learning how to, how to take those losses and learn from them. And, yeah, we, we took a really good track with the AJGA. I think I, I had a good experience in that I won my second AJGA out. Um, and, of course – stuff like that would get me into the invitationals and, sure. and so I'm very fortunate in the way that I did things. Um, but I'm, I give so much credit to him and how he put me in these tournaments and, and kept supporting me through it all and encouraging me to play at a high level and stuff like that. And, you know, college golf was something that kind of came in the back door, um, as I began to play better. Um, and we went through that, that process together and he's just been with me the whole time. And, um, my mom, of course, has been too on the on the school side and just supporting me with everything. So, yeah, I think the the track that I've taken to get here is definitely not normal, um, but I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think you're uh, I think you're making ends meet. You're figuring, <laughs> you're figuring your way out. Um, I always like to to have a guest give uh, some insight that we can pass on to parents of juniors, junior golfers mm-hmm. that are kind of you know starting that process or maybe in the middle of that process to like, how do I get recruited or how do I do this? How do I do that? Um, not every junior obviously is going to play to Stanford or wake or an Auburn. And, mm-hmm. uh, but there's so many other opportunities in college golf for, for men and women. What, uh, what kind of advice do you have for, for those juniors that, you know, they're getting to that point where they got to pick a school and they're, they're playing in those tournaments where they think everyone's watching and maybe not, no one's watching, you know, what kind of advice do you have for, for people in that spot? Yeah, I think a lot of parents and junior golfers put a lot of emphasis on playing good golf. And of course that's necessary to get your, get the college eyes on you. But at the same time, I think what's so important is just to build relationships with coaches and schools and also just show them on the golf course, how you act and how you can come back from a failure, how you can come back from a bad shot, how you carry yourself, stuff like that. And, and that you love the game. I think showing coaches that stuff is, is truly what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for the personality of a kid that they want to immerse into their team um, and win a national championship with. And of course that comes with good golf, but I think it's really important to focus on kind of all aspects. And, and I was fortunate enough at Stanford, to be taught that you have to have multiple different aspects to you as a person to be able to fit into a team like this. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned. I've always felt that for juniors, it's a lot, I mean, a coach would want to see you shoot 80 and then 70 as opposed to two seventy fives. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that I I love when I see a a junior come back from a bad round. I just, I Mm -hmm. love seeing that because I'm like, okay, that's something to pay attention to. Because I do see a lot of, you know, when I do see juniors in, in competition, um, you know, just the maturity and the the mental focus is, that's probably the thing that's most lacking that I see. That's just, mm-hmm. they just don't have that quite yet. Um, but that's great advice. Now, you are not the first Stanford golfer to be on this podcast. We've had several on the men's side from 
Gosh, back in the day with, uh, we mentioned Henry Shimp and even Brandon mm-hmm. Wu and Isaiah Salinda had some of the ladies on the podcast, your, your good friend, Rachel Heck and Rose. And, but you, um, you are not the first to have the all too popular mysterious major choice of science, technology, <laughs> and society. Now, Sadie, I've been, like I said, I've been down this road before. It's all very confusing to me. I'm not, <laughs> look, I talk about golf for a living, so it's very confusing. Let's try this one more time. Explain to me and listeners, what is the science, technology, and society major at Stanford University? Yeah, it's, I, I love it. Um, it's, it's so broad. And I love when I tell people that they're like, wow, that's like, you're so smart. I'm like, yeah, you keep thinking that. But uh, no. um, <laughs> yes, Sadie Engelman is pulling back the curtain. I love it. <laughs> no, but I, science, technology, society is basically kind of how our society, especially it's really, really, really relevant today. Um, how technology and science, um, I'm more on the technology track, but how that AI apps like chat GBT, all kind of stuff like that influence society um, and how society kind of uses those tools um, for different things. And I mean, it's, it's not limited to just that. I mean, I've taken classes from communications to computer science, to anthropology, to sociology. So it's a really good mix of things um, because there is not one track that I'm, I'm wanting to do um, or at least that they have it at Stanford. Um, so I thought this would be the best fit. So you mentioned AI, you mentioned chat GPT. So just for the record, is are my questions being put into chat GPT and it's spitting out an answer and you're just reading that off of a computer screen or are you actually processing this yourself and replying? Oh my goodness. I, I don't think they've, they've taught it to, to react that fast yet, okay. but uh, uh, I think I got this one. Okay. So this is really you. Yeah, this is this is okay. real time. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right, that's good to know. All right, that's a that's a good explanation of the major, because uh, uh, I I will say Brandon and Isaiah back uh, back in 2019, um, yeah, just I was a lot of uh huhs during that episode of what they were saying. I'm like, sure, yeah, sound, sounds smart to me, and then I just went back to talking about golf because I I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about the program. I know the program has received a lot of attention, um, you know, te- team success as well as individual success. Um, you know, I think you know the two names that even that the the casual follower of amateur golf would recognize are are Rachel Heck and, and Rose Zhang. I'm curious. I've always been curious about this team because it's just it's just natural. Uh, you know, how does this team handle those potential? You know, hey, what about me? you know, moments like everything's about Rose or everything's about Rachel or, or, uh, you know, how, how does the individuals on the team that aren't named Rose Zhang or Rachel Heck handle those kind of moments where you feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm part of this too. It's a really good question. I mean, of course there are times where, where you feel that way. I mean, there's been, there's been articles written by specific pieces that have, have kind of put me as a supporting actor or a, a person in the background. And, you know, reading that's not, it's not, she, it's not fun. Sadie brings the orange slices to every tournament. <laughs> we couldn't do it without her. <laughs> exactly. But what, what makes it perfectly okay with me is that this team is so built upon the foundation of just being just good people and good golfers all together. And coaches never once made one person stand out more than the other. And you don't, you're not on this team as a person. I mean, golf is a individual sport, but it's a, in, in college, it's a team sport. So she makes it known that you can't, you can't win a tournament with just one person. And 
I mean, I absolutely adore playing. I had adored playing golf with Rose and getting to play with my best friend, Rachel. Those two, I mean, I love all the support they get because they, I, I mean, they absolutely deserve it. They've done some incredible things in the game of golf. Um, and I know that with continued success that I'll have and hopefully some good golf played in the spring and hopefully after college, um, I'll possibly get the same support that they have. But I, you know, it's it's not that it's not that big of a deal for me because I know that I am on a team and whether or not I win the tournament, I do know that I'm helping and I know my te- other teammates who might not get as much exposure to the media, they're also helping. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, college golf, look, you know, you can have all those individual accolades and, but you know, as well as I do that it can come down to any one player that's in the lineup when it comes down to match play at the national championship and a point Mm -hmm. is a point. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. who it's coming from. Um, and yeah, I mean, and I mean, not to, you know, pull band-aids off and, but yeah, even last year, uh, at, at nationals seeing Rose lose, I think was kind of like, Oh, like, yeah, she could lose a match. Like these things happen <laughs> in golf. She, she's not a, you mm-hmm. know, she's not invincible. And I I mean, obviously you're on the, the other side of that, but it's still, I think it was, you know, stepping back, you kind of look at that from a perspective of there's incredible talent all over the country and in both the men's and the women's game. And these things happen in golf. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Rose is more superhuman than most of us. But of course. She, she she does have. I mean, we all we all have our moments, and and I think uh, it was a great learning experience, not only for her but everyone, just to see that no one's perfect, and golf is a game of failures and successes, and it's tough sometimes. I I asked her when I had her on the podcast because I know there's this infamous drill she does at practice. Trying she makes a hundred four footers in a row, and I you know, had to have a little fun at that. Like, you know, if I came up to introduce myself after you missed nine, number 92, that would probably not go very well. And she's like, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't want to talk. Now, have you had that moment where she's grinding and you see her miss one and you're like, all right, we're just not going to go over and talk to Rose right now. <laughs> you know, I really haven't. I mean, Rose is probably the best teammate that you could ever have. She was, she's so kind and you could, you could interrupt her in the most serious part of her practice and she would be just as happy to speak to you or whatever you needed. She would be there for you. So I could see maybe the 92 putt. And yeah. I don't know that I've ever had that experience with her, but, but <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, I would not be talking to you, Ben. That'd be a bad time. <laughs> Um, you play a great schedule. Um, uh, gosh, really Car- Pebble beach. I mean, you got, that was your first, your first college tournament of the year is the Carmel cup at Pebble beach. Get out of here. I mean, <laughs> um, Pebble beach, you know, Stevens cup, um, picked up the win there in Dallas, but a lot of your stuff's on the West coast. Um, you know, you're, like you said, group growing up in Texas, but I mean, you've had chances to get used to this playing on the West coast. Are there tournaments that stick out that you circle that, okay, it's not the national championship, but yeah, that that's a fun one. I can't wait to get back to that one next year. Yeah. I mean, I, Pebble beach is a very special place to me. So going to that one is, is a lot of fun and getting to start the year like that. Um, and I, I might, I mean, Eastlake was pretty fun. I mean, we don't get to play a lot of match play during the year. So getting the chances at Stevens cup and Eastlake cup, um, are really fun. And I think match play itself is very fun. So I think those two tournaments really stood out to me. Um, and then you got, you know, Hawaii, I mean, you got Hawaii in the, in the spring, don't you? 
Yes. Forgot about that one. It's usually in the fall. So um, that's a great one. Manea is one of my favorite courses of all time. There's not really a complaint I have about any of our tournaments, yeah. I will say. So. <laughs> now, you know, you mentioned Pebble, and I just thought that was the site of uh, of Mega's first win. And all right, so I need to, this is a, I got to ask you about this one. This is unrelated. This is not specific to Mega's win at all. So let's just <laughs> preface that. But as a photographer at golf tournaments you see the champion win and they're very excited and then obviously they need to sign their card and you know get everything settled then we need to get the picture with the with the trophy but there's something that happens that i kind of take exception to it's the dousing with water bottles (laughs) so you have the the athlete that looks normal and then when it's time for the photo they look like they went through a car wash (laughs) can is there any way that can just kind of can that be done or is that a thing? Is that going to go away at some point? What are you, what's your take on that? I don't know. I mean, I think it's super fun. I mean, we, we oh. both parties get, both parties get so much enjoyment out of it. I mean, us getting the water bottles right. behind our back and, and mega just winning and kind of seeing us come like, Oh no, like I'm about to get down. Right. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's something that has to be, ha- it has to happen right after you win. I think after you sign a scorecard, and take pictures and the moment's already kind of died. Um, so unfortunately I think they might still look like they went through a car wash in your photos. But. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm not making any headway whatsoever with you at all i just mm, nothing no. okay all right maybe bring an extra shirt maybe the coach just has yeah. i mean yeah. maybe we do that maybe there's just the trophy shirt that just it rides yeah, along maybe, the van. Or we, we trade trade shirts with one of the girls i don't Snap, know see it's now, see we're working through problems here we're coming up with solutions this is great we're i feel like we're getting a lot accomplished right now she needs to have her <laughs> You need to carry Mega's nine iron so she doesn't lose it. And then we, yeah, yep. and we bring an extra shirt. See, we're solving problems here. Um, <laughs> you know, you're heading into the spring. This is obviously your last season. This is your last season, right? You don't have a COVID year, do you? Nope. This is my last season. Okay. All right. So heading into your final season here, final spring semester with Stanford, um, you know, previously winning a national championship, looking to add a second. Um, so obviously college golf is going away. Talk a little bit about, though, Amateur golf. What are some of the amateur tournaments that you've enjoyed playing in the past that you're going to miss, and that other you know, uh, you know, other collegiate players need to kind of put on their calendar for for this summer? Yeah, uh, I've always really loved the Western. Um, yeah. I think the courses that they are able to put us at are incredible, and it's a mix of stroke play and match play, which is fun. And of course, the uh, North South is always a great one, yeah. and the amateur. Um, I like that they're being a little more inclusive next year with, um, I think letting more people in through rankings and then making the, the qualifier 36 holes. Um, I think that's kind of a good step toward, um, kind of making that field even better. And then of course, Anwa, um, that's a tournament that I'm hopeful to get into in the spring. And yes. I played, I played my freshman year. Um, of course that's the huge goal of a lot of, a lot of young golfers and, it's a really fun one. Uh, it's an incredibly tough two golf courses that you're able to play, but an incredible experience that you'll never forget. Champions Retreat is no joke. Is it? I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. That that's the one that doesn't get talked about. Everyone talks about the the romanticism of playing Augusta National, and and it is. It's so special, but. I see a lot of heartache at Champions Retreat. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I see just a lot of just like, yeah. Um, now, the pathway to the professional ranks is vastly different uh, for the women compared to what the men have. You know, the men have PGA Tour U, and 
I feel like I'm seeing agents everywhere. There's sponsors exemptions. Um, I know you picked up a sponsors exemption to play in an Epson tour event. Um, but you know, what does it look like for you on, on the women's side? You know, you really don't have, uh, I guess you don't have really an automatic path, do you? I mean, you're gonna, I guess you're just going to go to Q school after college. Is that pretty fair? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, unless you're someone like Rose Zang who pretty much took the most perfect path you could take. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're just, you're going through qualifying school and you're trying to qualify for maybe some Monday qualifiers, the U S open maybe. Um, and if not trying to plan an Epson tour or some local tournaments, like we have the WAPT in Texas. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not a super simple path and I think it takes a lot of hard work and lonely nights to, <laughs> to get to where you want to be. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Nenea is on the schedule for the Epson no, tour. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you're gonna be, you're gonna be staying in some Holiday Inn Expresses, playing in some places that uh, you may never have heard before. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm gonna get you out of here. Uh, you've been great with all the tough ones, and um, I'll, I'll just give you one more. Rose Zhang, former number one amateur in the world, already a winner in the LPGA Tour, U.S. Solheim Cup member. Michael Thorbjornsson, number one ranked in PGA Tour U, former USGA champion. Match play, who wins? Oh my goodness, Rose. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Wow. I thought you were going to say, oh, come on, Ben. I can't. I mean, Rose and Michael, they're Stanford. I, I can't. Why would you do that to me? And no, yeah. you you went just like, no, Rose. I mean, are we, are we talking like one up in a great match or is she just going to curb stomp him? I mean, is this a five and four? Oh, no, I, I think it would definitely be a good match. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know. My girl Rose, I'm always gonna be rooting for her. Wow, Michael, great guy, great friend, but <laughs> yeah, Michael, put Rose first. yeah, nice guy, yeah, sure, heard of him, nice guy, yeah, he's really, yeah, yeah, nice, hits, hits a nice ball, okay, Sadie, great catching up, congrats on your win at uh, at Eastlake Cup. Uh, great springboard into uh, into the next spring season that you're gonna be going uh, going into looking to get another national championship for Stanford. Enjoy the uh, the holidays. Enjoy a little bit of a break. I'll see you next year. And thanks for stopping by the back of the range. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Sadie Engelman for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.